Please stand and sing with us this morning. day and thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. Please prepare us for worship as we praise you and receive your message this morning. Amen.
like it. I like it. Y'all are chatty this morning. Throwing it up. Uh, welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful uh, that you've joined us on a holiday week. If you'll open your bulletin wide to the middle, I want to show you a couple of things. These practices are the way that we try to live our life, try to inform our decisions, try to um, impact the way that we communicate with you, we talk to you, we invite you, we welcome you, we push you past your limits. Um, Radical hospitality, I'll tell you something that's not there. In two weeks, we have a combined service. Uh, Did you already do it? Let's go ahead and do it. Go one more. Uh, Yeah. This is Thomas and Caitlin. Caitlin's our worship leader here. She, as you could see, playing the guitar became more and more difficult as the summer went on. And I figured um, Sonny must think, man, it's, uh, I guess it's Sunday, if uh, whatever he could hear. Um, born this week, and I have the statistics. Six pounds, 14.9, we're rounding up to 15 ounces and 19 inches. Thomas and Caitlin are um, happy, they're home, and... Uh, have a huge uh, supportive tree around them. We're grateful for that. Um, So, Caitlin will be gone from leading worship for the next eight weeks, and Charlie Miller, who's in the band, will step up. Um, He uh, led us today. Charlie will be leading us in the next eight weeks, and we want to say thank you to him for that. And especially this week, Charlie and Alicia went to Sakahatchee, got no sleep, spent time with teenagers, worked on roofs uh, uh, in the rain and came here and led worship anyway. So if y'all can uh, show your appreciation to them. You will see um, videos from both our um, uh, youth trip to Lake Junaluska with the middle schoolers and the Sakahatchee trip with our high schoolers. Those will be coming in worship uh, and also in the email as well. And you'll find great pictures in the newsletter coming up. Um, in terms of passionate Worship, uh, Warren Leonard, uh, a longtime uh, member here, goes to the 11 o'clock services under hospice care. Uh, we want you to be aware of that, and um, when we know details, uh, we'll certainly pass those along to you in um, the pastoral care email and also um, the uh, major email. Um, I think that's, oh, Two weeks from now, we have uh, one combined service in the sanctuary followed by a cookout outside. So in two weeks, if you come in the gym at 9 o'clock, you'll be just kind of hanging out till we go over to the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. One combined service at 10 o'clock in two weeks. The office will be closed um, this week, and uh, I'm going to be kind of in between. I was going to be gone, um, but want to be here to support the Leonard family. Uh, but everybody else in the office, I hope, will be slow to respond to you Um, as they take some valuable time off. Um, As we go into a moment of prayer, I'll tell you this is the day um, somewhere 20, 25%, maybe a little more than that, of United Methodist churches have a new minister Um, because in the South Carolina conference they moved. Lots of people think, well, I guess at four years you just move. It's so much more detailed than that. It's a matter of 12 regional superintendents in our bishop thinking, What is the best possible scenario for this church, this pastor, this family, this community, over and over and over and over and over and over again, trying to put that puzzle piece together? All those puzzle pieces moved this past Wednesday, and there are people in new churches. There are ministers preaching for the first time today. Um, I texted them and said, you know, just breathe. 
you know, say things and continue to remember to breathe. Uh, so if you remember those churches and those ministers in that transition uh, as we go to pray today, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a truly amazing week. A time in which we um, developed our faith with our middle schoolers and leaders. A time in which we served our community in Sakahachi. A time in which we um, have drawn together to worship you. And the way in which our family has responded to the Leonard family in a time of difficulty. We're grateful for all of that. And as we gather today to worship you, use our prayers, use our songs, use our um, scripture, our proclamation to honor and glorify you, to teach us, to guide us, to inspire us, uh, to go out and serve you as we leave this place. Help us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray, to make it our own, to live it, to breathe it, to share it with others. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So our opening image this morning is distractions. You don't have to think too hard to think about distractions in any kind of public speaking, different places that you've been. Um, Public speakers know that they come in all forms. Any number of things that can drive your attention away. And when I go to school events, and I'm not in charge of any of it, and I sit out in the crowd, I see the unbelievable things that happen out there. It's crazy out there in the crowd. Um, And let me give you a couple um, significant ones that have happened in my life. Let's look at the first one. That thing is nothing close to the thing that flew around my church in my first year in 2000. um, If you imagine a country church like in the movie Tombstone, any western, you know, white church, um, simple out in the country at at, uh, three roads coming together, beautiful. I had some spots where bugs could get in. And one day as I was doing the sermon, who knew what I was talking about? I wasn't in seminary yet. I was 22. Who knows? But this thing started flying around, and it had red stripes on the end of it. I've never seen anything like that, like a World War II fighter pilot (laughs) buzzing around. And that thing came humming this way, and I noticed it. came humming that way, and I noticed these people noticed it. Landed here, now everybody's noticing it. Then it starts to fly around, buzz around, buzz around, buzz around. I'm probably six minutes into the sermon, and I said, you know what? Jesus loves (laughs) y'all, for real. (laughs) Y'all go love other people in the way that Jesus has loved you. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) I don't know what this thing's doing. And of course, uh, immediately, that was a reputation that I had uh, in that place, which... It doesn't take long for that to happen. Let's look at the next one. Someone passing out. This has happened good 15 times in my ministry. Um, Someone might wear a suit when they don't normally wear a suit. They might uh, get up and come to church earlier than they normally get up and go anywhere. They don't eat breakfast. They don't hydrate. 
we might have uh, HVAC issues, whatever it is. Someone gets overheated and they pass out. If you are five minutes in and someone passes out on the floor, forget it. It's over. We pray over that person and I say, you know what? Jesus loves you. Go out there and love people as much as Jesus loves you. Let's look at the next one. Oh, buddy. Technology. If I had $5 for every time technology punked me in front of a group of people, I'd have a lot of money. Okay, when you think, I've got this thing, it's going to do what I need it to do. Oh, you're supposed to have an HDMI and what I have is USB. No, you're supposed to have a USB and what I've got an HDMI. Uh, oh, the uh, Wi-Fi isn't working. Oh, the thing that you downloaded, that isn't working. Oh, this is the crux of everything that I was going to say today. You know what? Jesus loves y'all. <laughs> Go out there and love people like Jesus loved you. You'll see me do it before I leave here sometime. Distractions. We know nothing about real distractions in public speaking because more often than not, we come in a space that is climate controlled. More often than not, we're not out on a busy street. There's not a carriage, there's not a horse, there's not somebody screaming by. Uh, if you go into the sanctuary, you know, literally that word is coming into a peaceful place. More often than not, in the book of Acts, this book that we're walking through um, throughout the summer, faithful leaders are going to towns who may or may not be hostile to what they say, and it's outdoors, and crowds get riled up, and they respond in ways that you couldn't imagine the way that we operate. Outdoors, crowds, and hostility, and we're going to see how all of that worked out in chapter 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. So your next phrase. The crowd was divided. You get ministers together and you start laughing about places that they've been. It's like talking to comedians who have been to different places in different cities and the way that those crowds respond to comedians. And of course the thing that makes you laugh the hardest is when a crowd is just brutal to you or to your friend and just trying to power through that and figure out what in the world you're going to say. As hard as any church is in the state of South Carolina, I haven't heard of one where they drag the minister out of town, want to drag them out and stone them. That's literally what is the threat here. And we don't have to think that that's an empty threat. We read weeks ago about a man who was faithful, who was bringing the word, who was feeding widows who were going hungry. 
He said what he said about Jesus. The same thing these guys are saying. The crowd got insane. They were united, dragged him out of town, and stoned him. The uh, implications are huge. And it can turn sideways in a real hurry. Now, let's talk about the way the crowd was divided before they walked into town. The way crowds divide if we're not at our best. Ethnicity, religion, tenure in that town. If you're in a small town, everybody knows how long everybody's been there. And they classify you according to the time that you've been there. Any town that you're in, if people are not at their best, they're divided by their ethnicity, by their race and religion, mercy. And we often aren't in a space like this with people that don't have our same beliefs. We don't know what that's like to be, share that same space and have hostility and have people believe, if you don't believe in this, I might have to eliminate you because I can't even have you around influencing anyone else. Think about all of that churning in this town. That's before these guys walk into town. After they walk into town, it's almost as if those people are a deck of cards and you get them and you mush them all together and you shuffle them the way people shuffle. I'm not great at it. Throw them out and then start to divide them up. They're divided a whole new way by people who believed in what they said and people who didn't believe in what they said. And the way they described the Civil War, brother against brother, relative against relative, just across the lines, people who would have been on the same side of that division before these two guys walked into town could now find themselves on opposite sides. Husband and wife, mother and daughter, neighbor and neighbor could now be divided based on whether they accepted what Paul and Barnabas said. There are new differences, new alliances, and a plot to now drag them out of town. And so they leave. Verse 8. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. So your next phrase. The crowd shouted, now, I imagine if you've been anywhere where people shout for a good thing, lots of times there's a split second or a second before they do of just silence. Because you can't believe for a heartbeat what you just saw. And then your brain processes it. And then joy just explodes out of you and you yell in a way that if you looked it up on YouTube now, you could see any instance of that. This man, um, in so many instances, someone's life was changed. Their trajectory was changed by Jesus coming through there or his followers coming through there. He had never been able to see. He can now see. He had never been able to walk. He can now walk. She had never been included in the group. She's now included in the group. 
And what you can take away from that is people who figured, this is the only way I will ever be. And everyone's happy to put them in that category and in that lane. This is the only way you will ever be are changed. And when we see somebody lifted up, when we see somebody included, when we see something that overwhelms us with joy, our heart swells up. And in this particular case, they shouted at an unbelievable volume. You know who didn't shout? The man. He was not a distraction as Paul and Barnabas were speaking. He was not shouting as part of the crowd. He didn't say anything to them after. He was a silent witness to the thing that they did. His actions, his very rising was the difference. So the crowd shouted. And then it gets kind of sideways in verse 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. That's to Paul and Barnabas. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So go back to verse 13. (laughs) if you listen to the podcast you heard me laugh about this already what do you think the priest of Zeus was doing that day you think he just had a normal day going he's like well you know I got to reach out to a couple people I got to get the bulletin ready (laughs) whatever I don't know somebody's coming by at 10 like we're looking at some land um mm mm-mm Greek gods are in our town today, is what he hears. So um, if you could imagine somebody walking up to your door that expected you to host them, and your house isn't ready, and you have no food, and you see them come up the sidewalk, and you've got to somehow throw everything in its place, somehow get in the kitchen and fix something, prepare something for someone that you did not expect, you might not have to think too hard about that. This guy hears there are Greek gods and he's got to come and sacrifice a bull to these people. Now that's where the trouble is. The people in this town, when they see two men heal one of the people that they've never seen walk, they have no idea about Jesus about God and they figure with their preconceived notions this is the thing we've always believed and they don't want to stone them they want to treat them like gods so you continue the theme there are churches that are really hard on ministers there are churches who think oh 
this minister is the greatest minister who's ever been in all time, right? Where do you think ministers actually are on that continuum? Right? There's somewhere in between being dragged out of town and stoned and the greatest thing that's ever been. You know what's interesting is that these two guys don't lash out and on their way out of town say, God, you know what would be great is if you smoked those people like you did Sodom and Gomorrah because I hate them. They also didn't come into this town where, they wanted, where people thought they were gods and set up camp and say, we should just stay here. Life is easy here. People like us. And as much as we um, try to hold it off, as much as we say other, the, um, we, we don't desperately need it, what do we want? We want people to like us. We want people to think we're doing a good job, whatever job we are doing. And if you had left a town where people wanted to stone you for your job, and you derived a town where people thought you were a great god in your job, it'd be hard to ride that and stay stable. Unless you figured the message was more important than you are. You, the messenger, are not the important thing. And if, in fact, it cost you your life to deliver that message, so be it. Because the message is more important than me. And if you have to move on from this town who thought you were the greatest thing that's ever been, so be it. Because the message is more important than me. That's when they set a wonderful example. So, your next phrase. The crowd wanted to sacrifice in their honor. And it's interesting, that sacrifice sounds an awful lot like the people in the desert as they were going from Egypt to their homeland, the faith that Paul grew up in. But it's two Greek gods. And are they sacrificing out of joy? Are they sacrificing out of fear, reverence, hope? Hey, I hope you'll do this again. Whatever they do, imagine what it took to say it's not about me when it was really, really hard. This isn't about me. I'm not going to take this personally. Imagine how hard it was to say it's not about me when they thought they were the greatest thing that ever was. So the last thing you've got to ask yourself, your final question. Am I a distraction? On this week that we celebrate the path that our founding fathers took to create America, we might pause from the yelling based on alliances, from the angry solutions to problems. We might. We probably won't. This is what you've got to ask yourself when you see that, when you hear that, when you read that. Are you more important, or is the loving, powerful message of God more important? When you want to hit um, reply, when you want to answer someone in a lobby, when you want to, our family's going to the beach, there's people on both sides in that family tree, when you want to respond to someone uh, on the porch sitting in rocking chairs about what's in the news and how they're responding to it, you have got to ask yourself, I've got to ask myself, am I more important 
Or is the message of the loving, powerful God more important? Otherwise, you're a distraction. A quiet man who simply listened, who got up and walked, who didn't sacrifice to them as gods, but instead listened to the word that they were saying about the person they were describing, was a wonderful, quiet witness to our Lord and God, though we had never heard that message before. What are we capable of when we hear it all the time? What are we capable of when we share a common table in a minute? Hearing about sacrifice and that the message was more important than the messenger. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will join me in our liturgy that's on the screen. If you will join me in the affirmation before we do that. Everybody, please stand. The, this affirmation is the way we affirm our faith in this worship service. You're welcome um, to join us. You're welcome to simply listen. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. I tell you what, if you'll remain standing, let's try that for our um, communion liturgy. I say this each time because I think it's important. Acknowledging our struggle individually and corporately is significant for worship. Acknowledging our forgiveness individually and corporately significant for worship. You cannot have worship without both. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken. And if you're a guest, a new visitor to our congregation, you can rely on the generosity of our people. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was.
was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. We are healed by Your sacrifice. In the life that you gave, we are healed for you paid the price. By your grace, we are saved. We are saved. He was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our sins, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice in the He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our sins, the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. Jesus and his disciples went to towns where they thought they were the greatest thing that's ever been and wanted him to stay. And on occasion, the disciples wanted to stay. They went to towns where they thought they were the worst thing they had ever seen. And they wanted to stone them. Through each and every town, they stayed with a consistent message of God's hope and peace and love for the people, regardless of the way that the town surrounded them. The ultimate act of that was going into Jerusalem, knowing that the people had to hear that in that town. And as people stood outside those walls, hoping to find them, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At the dinner, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant. 
when they were accustomed to the blood of animals being sacrificed to God, he said, this is mine. I am willing to sacrifice for this message to be heard. And from that town to our town, people have shared this message of grace and hope and forgiveness. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. We serve by intention, meaning that one of us will give you a piece of bread as you come forward with um, your hands. You place it in your hands, you dip it into the cup, and you eat it and return to your seat. We have um, gluten-free elements if you need them. Just pass one of us by, get that first and then come by. And um, I love to have the people on the outside come first. So if our bleacher folks and our table folks and our rocking chair folks um, can come forward and uh, we'll serve you.
You never know what music's going to be next in the queue. I think that's the mothers, right? The mothers come down on that one. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your patience and your guidance. Give us three servings of your patience and your guidance that we may not be a distraction but an instrument of your peace regardless of what swirls around us. Help us, Lord, to be your silent messengers that everyone may know you through our actions. Having shared this table together, we will depart this place to go and serve you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you'll please stand for our final song.
consider the Owens family, which is in transition. Consider the Leonard family, which is considering loss and pain and grief. These transitions surround us in our church family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Be an instrument of God's peace amongst them all. In the name of Jesus Christ, go. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Have a great week.